Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. Um, who had a fun 4th of July? Come on, who set off some fireworks? Who blew some stuff up? Ate too much food? I, I know I ate way too much. Like, if I go somewhere and eat, I'm going to have maybe a burger and some fries. I don't know what it is about 4th of July. I think I had two burgers, a couple of hot dogs. It was just way too much. I don't know what it is about holidays that causes us to do that. But, um, but we set off some fireworks as a family. We had a bunch of family over, and we were setting off um, some fireworks. And we always, you know, we kind of do the thing where you start off small. You start with the fountains. You know, the kids maybe playing with sparklers and stuff. And the, but we had this big setup because we were setting off some of the big ones. But they were off, kind of off to the side out in the field um, where we we're going to be setting those off later. But hopefully none of you guys had this same issue or had close to an issue like this. We had somebody in, in the family that was decided they were going to start setting off Roman candles. And they were pointing them at the big pile of fireworks, or the, the big ones that we had sitting out there. And I'm like, oh, no, we're going to have a massive explosion, fire. And we're right next to I-44, which would have just made it even worse. So hopefully none of you guys had those kind of issues. Um, fortunately, nothing got set off that wasn't intended to get set off. So we were good. Nobody lost any fingers. Hopefully nobody <laughs> here lost any fingers. Um, so today we are continuing in our series that we were actually in before last week. Uh, last week we took a little bit of a break. As you know, for Fourth of July, we had our outdoor service. And um, so today's going to be full of stories. I'm just going to let you guys know up front. Today's just full of all kinds of stories. Um, just from now, and then as we begin to the message, we're going to re- be reading some stories. So, but at Republic, I don't know what it looked like here in Marshfield, but in Republic, we were at the J.R. Martin Park, and it's a, this place called the Amp at the park. And it's set up like an amphitheater. You've got the big stage down there at the bottom, and then it kind of comes up, and you've got like these half-moon-shaped, you know, seating area. It's set up like an amphitheater, and that's why it's called the Amp. Well, to one side, we had almost 70 to 75% of our people sitting over there because behind the stage and to the left were these massive trees in the park and they were shading that one area over there. So we had almost everybody over there and then over off to this other side, there was this other little tree and there was one lady sitting under it, but it was like way off in the distance. And then we had another little tree kind of back into the right that the family was sitting under. And it was just entertaining to see all that because very few people, there was a handful of us, my family included, we were sitting actually in the seating area (laughs) for that message. I don't know if it was as comical for you guys as it was for us kind of seeing that and how that that all went. But today we're continuing, like I said, in our series that we were in before last week. And it's on this idea of kingdom worship. As you know, our theme for the year has been Kingdom Co. And we are in this topic of worship. And so... Before we dive in, I'm going to share again another little story for you. Some of you may not know this about me, but I uh, joined the Navy out of high school. And I had actually joined my junior year of high school. So I was in what was called this delayed entry program. And so I had to wait, and then they would tell me when it was time to go uh, for boot camp. Well, as that time came approaching after I graduated high school, my birthday is in July. It's actually July 30th. And I was supposed to leave a couple weeks later in the middle of August. And so July 29th of 1999, I get a phone call from my recruiter. And he goes, hey, pack up. You leave tomorrow. Tomorrow? That's my 18th birthday. You're like sending me out the first day I can legally go. 
I'm turning 18. I got things I want to do, places I want to go, people I want to see. He goes, nope, you leave tomorrow. Pack it up. So I left for boot camp on my 18th birthday, but there was something I found out after I joined the Navy, and that is that the Navy loves abbreviations and acronyms. Almost, like, excessively. To, it's almost a fault, I think. They just love acronyms and abbreviations. So let me just give you a couple of them just to kind of show you something here. So there's one is ASW. That's my initials. That's why I chose this one. But it stands for anti-submarine warfare. It's the defense systems against submarines, right? So GQ is general quarters. Nothing to do with a quarterly men's magazine. It is actually our call to man battle stations. That's what general quarters is, GQ. And then CVN, carrier vessel nuclear. That's the type of ship I was stationed on. I was stationed on a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. And then USN, of course, is United States Navy. And um, I give you these, and you've probably heard some of these, but there's actually, there's actually one that's not an official uh, naval acronym, if you will, but it's one we used while I was in the Navy, and it's actually the word Navy, N-A-V-Y. Never again volunteer yourself. That's what Navy stood for. That's what we stood by. But as I said, some of those you have probably heard, um, some of you may not have heard, but there is one I guarantee that you have heard that is actually a, a naval acronym, but you may not realize it originated in the Navy, and it's this acronym. KISS, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid, right? Or some say, you know, keep it simple, silly, you know, keep it short and sweet, keep it short and simple, but the original was keep it simple, stupid. And it has this interesting origin to it. Uh, this acronym was actually a design principle designed by the Navy in 1960. And this KISS principle stated that most systems work best if they are kept simple rather than made complicated. In other words, simplicity should always be a key goal in design, and unnecessary complexity should be avoided. And so this, this phrase was actually, this acronym was coined by an aerospace engineer and this lead designer by the name of Kelly Johnson. And he had created and designed several aircraft and spy planes. But again, he wanted to keep it simple. And so this principle was exemplified really in this story that we have of, of Johnson and what he does with his team. And so his team, he, they're tasked with designing an aircraft. And so he, take, he gets his team, and he hands them this, this collection of just basic, ordinary mechanics tools. And he gives them this challenge that the aircraft that they're designing, it must be repairable by an average mechanic in the field under combat conditions. Think about this for a second. Not the best mechanic, not their top guy. The average mechanic has to be able to fix this aircraft under enemy fire, taking bullets and everything else in combat conditions. They've got to be able to repair this aircraft with those simple tools that they were given. That was his process. And so you're probably wondering, okay, well, what in the world does this have to do with kingdom worship. So we're going to get there. I promise it'll all make sense at the end. But I do want to point this out. This acronym KISS, K-I-S-S, is actually very similar to one of our core values here at Destiny Church. Does anybody want to take a venture as to which one that is? We do more by doing less. Thank you in the back. 
We do more by doing less. We do more by simplifying what we do and how we do it. And that's going to include every single ministry, including worship. And so our key verse for today, it's found in Luke, Luke chapter 10, and it's in the story of Mary and Martha, and it says this in Luke 10, 42, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just invite your presence into this room. God, we felt your presence here in worship this morning. And we just, I just have this feeling that you just want to move in this place today. And so, God, I ask you to open our hearts, prepare us for what you have, and give me clarity as I deliver your word. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So today, what I want to do is, again, is, today is going to be a lot about stories. But I want to take a look at the life of a person in Scripture by the name of Mary. Not Mary, the mother of Jesus, but a different Mary. Her name is Mary of Bethany. That's how we know her. And what I want to do is really, I kind of want to do this character sketch, if you will, of this person, Mary, to look at her life with the few details that we have of her in Scripture. Because really, there's only three short stories and three accounts of Mary found in the Gospels. And so, but I want to take a look at each one of those and see what we can learn from her life as it regards around worship. And so the first of these stories is found in John chapter 11. And in this story, we find that Mary is the sister of Lazarus, whom Jesus, of course, raises from the dead. So let's take a look at this story. It's John 11, verses 1 through 15. And it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. And this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And we're going to take a look at that story in just a little bit. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Catch that. He loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, what did he do? He got up and ran to go meet Lazarus to make sure he's okay. That's not what Scripture says, is it? We're going to see why here in just a moment. But it says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going to go back? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Think about this for a second. The Jew, the The disciples had just told him, hey, the Jews are trying to kill you back there. And you're telling us that Lazarus is asleep. Well, if he's asleep, he's going to get better. Ah, We don't need to go back. They didn't want to risk getting stoned. Let's just be honest. We know where their hearts were at. But so Jesus had been speaking, of course, of his death. This is verse 13. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly. Sometimes Jesus has got to lay it out plainly, doesn't he? Sometimes we miss his message, and he's like, we read his word. And sometimes Jesus is like, look. 
Here it is, plain and simple. And he tells his disciples, plain and simple, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So there's one aspect of this story that, I, that we're going to get to, but I feel it's important to kind of get a full picture of the story and what's going on so we can really fully understand who Mary is and what we want to learn from her. And so at this point, we've just learned Mary. She is the sister of Lazarus, who is a close friend of Jesus, and he's now gotten sick, and he's died from this illness. And again, there's a lot to this story that we're not going to get into and discuss. Obviously, there's a lot of details in the story. But right now, we just want to see what we can learn from Mary. So let's continue. Jump down to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days. This is important. Remember I told you Jesus waited two days? There's a reason for that. It was Jewish belief that the soul of the body, when somebody died, their soul would stay around the body for three days. And so if Jesus had come back two days earlier, when Lazarus had only been dead two days, they could have discounted the miracle. They would have said, no, the soul was still there. He really wasn't fully dead. Kind of reminds me of uh, Princess Bride. He's only mostly dead, right? <laughs> kind of reminds me of that story. But that's, that would have been the truth. They would have thought that he was, his soul was still there and that he could be raised back to life because his soul was still there. That's why Jesus waited. It had been four days. So now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, no, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? It's an important question. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. And so at this point, we find Jesus has made his way into Bethany where Lazarus, you know, of course, lived and he had died. And upon hearing Jesus' arrival into town, Martha goes out to meet him. But where does Mary stay? She stays at home. And what's interesting is that this behavior between these two sisters, it's somewhat expected knowing what we know of Mary and Martha. If you go back to Luke chapter 10, and again, we're going to look at this story in a little bit, but if you go back to that story, Mary was the quiet sister, right? Just sitting there listening to Jesus. Well, what did Martha do? She was the one yelling at Jesus saying, hey, make my sister help me. She's not doing anything to help. She essentially rebukes and questions Jesus, right? Well, what's Martha doing in this story? She does the exact same thing. She runs out, and before Jesus even reaches town, she runs out and greets him with this, if you want to call it a gentle rebuke, this complaint, much like she did before in that earlier moment. She didn't quite learn her lesson, did she? She tells Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I do want to point this out. At this point in their discussion, I believe we really find Martha's coming to faith moment. Because Mary, even though she waited... As Martha goes out, she goes out and she rebukes Jesus. But in this moment, look back at the story. Jesus asked her, do you believe this? You see, I think Martha had part of the picture, but didn't have the full picture. And it's at this moment she makes the declaration, I believe that you are the Messiah. 
she calls it out, much like Peter does, right, in his story, in his encounter, when Jesus asked him, who do you say who I am? It's the same thing. Martha's saying, you are the Messiah. I believe this is her coming to faith moment. But where's Mary? She's back home, right? So she stays and waits for Jesus, and so we're going to get a sense of why she waits as we read her story. So let's go to verse 28. It says, after she had said this, talking about Martha, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. And so here we find Mary who had been waiting back. And I think what we see is, even though she had faith in Christ, we, we can see that in the story. We go back to Luke 10, which we're going to look at in a little bit. She knew what was important. She knew who Jesus was and the importance of sitting at his feet. But she lacked the faith that Jesus could actually bring her brother back from the dead. But notice what she does. When she runs out to meet Jesus, what is her first reaction when she sees Jesus? She falls at his feet. She falls at the feet of Jesus. And of course, we know how the rest of that story goes, right? Jesus goes into the tomb and calls Lazarus out and raises him from the dead. But let's go into another story, because that's really all we got of, Martha, of Mary in that story. So let's jump over to John chapter 12. This is just one chapter over. Just turn your page. So John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So now we see Lazarus is good. He's been raised from the dead, and he's living life, and now he's having a celebration with Jesus. So here dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples... Good old Judas, Judas Iscariot, right? Who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. And he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, a keeper of the money bag, and he used to help himself to what was put in it. So think about this. Think about this from Lazarus' point of view, or uh, from Judas's point of view. He's like, dude, if we can sell this stuff instead of wasting it, that's 30, you know, that's a whole lot of money, years worth of wages going into this this money bag that I can help myself to. Seems like a pretty good deal for him, right? But of course, Jesus replies, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And here we find Jesus back in the company of his friend Lazarus, along with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, interestingly, we find Martha mentioned, but just for two words, Martha served. It's almost like Martha's in this habit of just running around and trying to take care of everything that needs to be taken care of. We know she has faith in Christ. We know she knows who Jesus is, but yet she's always preoccupied with something rather than focusing on what matters. And so we're going to look at this story, and the focus is going to turn now to Mary, right? Because she takes this perfume, as I said, worth about a year's wages. And in that day, 
a year's wages would have equaled, so a day labor earned one denarius a day. And based on the Jewish calendar and how it operated, the normal person would work 299 days a year. That's taken out all the Sabbaths and Passover and all of that. They would work about 299 days, so rounded up 300 days a year. So they would earn 300 denarii a year, which today is the equivalent of about twenty-five to $30,000. That's expensive perfume, right? And she anoints Jesus with this perfume. But what's interesting is we see this account in the other Gospels, but in those accounts, we actually see Mary also anoints Jesus' head. Mary anoints Jesus from head to toe with this oil. It says there was a pint of oil. That means there was, today, that's about 11 ounces. So this 11-ounce container, I mean, most of us don't have 11-ounce containers of cologne and perfume, right? They're usually small little bottles, right? Usually last quite a while. She takes this full 11-ounce container and anoints Jesus from head to toe with this container of perfume. And you're probably like, why in the world would she do this? It seems a bit excessive, doesn't it? I mean, a little bit goes a long way, right? But we need to understand why Mary does this. And we're in a series right now called Kingdom Worship. This, by Mary, is an act of worship. You see, Mary understood. She'd been listening to Jesus. She understood what was coming. And just as the Spirit had anointed Jesus for his work of his earthly ministry, Here, Mary is anointing Jesus with oil, which in Scripture is a picture of the Spirit, for his ministry of his death and his burial. And Jesus actually makes that clear in his response to Judas. In verse 7, he says, Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And so this act of worship by Mary illustrated what she knew, that Jesus is what matters most. There's something I don't want us to miss from this story, and that is what it meant for Mary to actually take her hair down, because it says she used her hair to wipe the feet of Jesus, so she had to take her hair down. Well, in this day, it was actually shameful for a woman to take her hair down in the presence of men. This was shameful for her. So not only is Mary making this huge financial sacrifice and lavishing Jesus with all of this oil and all of this perfume, she is humbling herself in the process. And in doing so, here's what Mary is doing. She is giving testimony to actually one of Paul's commands in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12.1 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is the key right here. This is your true and proper worship. Mary, in this moment, is showing us what true and proper worship is looks like. And that's really the focus of all this. So let's take a look at this final story that I want to look at of Mary and how it ties into worship. And as I said, this story takes place actually prior to the other two stories, but I really wanted to look at this one last because it really hits the point that I want to drive home today. And this story is found in Luke chapter 10. And again, it's a story that we're probably all familiar with, the story of Mary and Martha, right? The one we're mostly familiar with. It's in Luke 10 verses 38 through 42, and it says this, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, 
don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. I can, I can see how this played out, right? Oh, Martha. Oh, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things. But here's our key verse. But few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So in this story, we find the two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Martha being the one who invites Jesus into the home. She's the one that opens the home to Jesus. She does right by inviting Jesus in, but yet she's the one that's distracted with all the things that must be done in preparation for having a guest in the home. Let me just point this out real quick, this, this part of the story. Don't allow your ministry for Jesus to distract you from your ministry to Jesus. Don't allow your ministry for Jesus to distract you from your ministry to him. Look, it's all about worship. This series has been all about worship. So where do we find Mary? We know Martha's busy and distracted, but where do we find Mary? It's the same place we always find Mary. Look back at the other two stories. When Jesus came into Bethany to visit upon Lazarus' death, where does Mary go? She falls at the feet of Jesus. When Mary is anointing Jesus with the oil, she anoints him from head to toe, but we find her where? Wiping his feet. She is at the feet of Jesus. And in this story, it's very simply put, she is at the feet of Jesus. Which brings me to my one point, my one and only point for today's message. Because I wanted to keep it as simple as possible, right? To give you this one simplest act of worship. Because while there's many things, I'll be, there's many things in our lives that we, we will consider worship, right? From serving to how we do our jobs to these Sunday morning worship experiences like this one. There are a lot of things that are considered worship. But the one single act of worship, the simplest act of worship is simply sitting at the feet of Jesus. The simplest thing that we can do when worshiping Christ, the one who is worthy of all praise and worship, is to simply sit in his presence. Not distracted, not thinking about other things, or hear me on this one, not even asking him for anything. Just to sit in the presence of Jesus. Because here's the deal, church. I think what often gets missed when it comes to worship is the one we came to worship. We miss his presence. We get so caught up in the production, the have-to-dos, the checkboxes, that we miss the very presence of the one we came to worship. Let's go back to verse 42. Jesus says, few things are needed, or indeed, only one. See, he's telling Martha, what you are doing is good. What you're doing is good. It's not bad. But the one thing that's needed is me. It's my presence. That's what matters. So here's the question, church. Are you experiencing Jesus and his presence when you worship, or are you just showing up to check the box? Maybe showing up to church once a month on a Sunday. Are you just checking the boxes, or are you truly encountering his presence? Because I think what's happening with the church today is very similar to what happened to the church at Ephesus at the turn of the first century. And these verses aren't going to be on the screen, but in Revelation chapter 2, we find Jesus um, 
he's, he writes the seven letters to the churches, and the first one is to the church of Ephesus, and he get, tells them this in verse 2 of Revelation 2. He says, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work. Meaning what? They were doing good things. They were doing good things in the things of God. They were serving. They were doing outreaches in their community. They were doing the Ozark Food Harvest food drive. They were doing all of that, doing the things that the church is called to do and being who the church is called to be. But in the midst of it all, in their service to God, they missed the one thing that mattered. They missed his presence. Jesus goes on to tell that church that while they had done good things, and this is a phrase most of you have probably heard before, he says they left their first love. Let's just take a second to understand this for a minute. What is our first love? Simple answer is Jesus, right? But let's get a little deeper with that. Because what brings us faith? Jesus. It's the message of Jesus, right? It's the gospel message. When we first come to face, the only thing we have is Jesus. It's the only thing we need. It's what saves us. It's all we have, and it's all we need. We're not concerned with all the do's and don'ts. We're not concerned with all of that. The check boxes is the performance. The only thing that matters in that moment is him when we come to faith. And it's not that we don't, of course, grow in our faith and grow in our relationship with him and begin to do the things that God has called us to do. But that's not what matters in that first moment. But we don't ever want to get to the point, hear me on this one, church, that where, we get, where those things begin to outweigh or distract us and take us away from our first love and what matters most. Those things are important. What Martha was doing was important. The things we do here at church are important. The outreaches, the serving, all of that is important. We can't miss that. It's important, and it's good. But if we do it without him and encountering his presence, we've missed it. We've missed it, church. So let me put that as simple as I can, because today is all about simplicity, right? Avoid setting the Lord's work as a priority over the Lord's presence. Avoid setting the Lord's work as a priority over his presence because that's it. There's nothing more valuable than just sitting at the feet of Jesus and experiencing in his presence. Again, it's not easy, right? We're busy. We have full schedules. And for some of us, just sitting in the quiet feels unproductive. And so we, we, just, we just don't do it. We, but we miss the main thing. But here's the deal. It may not be easy, but it is simple. Sitting in his presence is not easy, but it's simple. And can I tell you something? When you sit in his presence, while it may feel unproductive, even if it's two minutes in the quiet alone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him, you may feel like that was the most unproductive two minutes of your day, but I can guarantee it'll be the most productive two minutes of your day. It will change your day. So as I close, I want to share a couple of passages with you. Psalm 27.4 says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord. To just sit at his feet. By the way, where's... Where does the Bible tell where Jesus' temple is? It's right here. Everything else aside, we just need to sit, be quiet, and sit in his presence. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord. 
Psalm 29.2 says, Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Something, sometimes I think we forget just how good and how glorious God is. We, because we don't spend time in his presence. We go to him for our requests. We go, I have this need. I need this. I need that. And maybe we come to church on Sundays, but we're not spending time just at the feet of Jesus in his presence. When we do that, we'll begin to fully understand really who Jesus is. Because this is what it's all about. When it comes to worship, if we want to keep it simple, we need to do what Mary did and just sit at the feet of Jesus. That's keeping it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, silly, right? However you want to put it. Just sit in the wonderful, glorious, majestic presence of God. And that's keeping it simple. Let's pray. God, we're just so thankful for your presence. That we can freely come to you at any moment, at any time, and just sit at your feet. And while all the things that we do, that you've called us to do, are good, the outreaches, the serving, the reading our Bible, the fellowship with other believers, coming to church on Sunday, all of that is good. But what matters most, God is just sitting in your presence. And so my heart for today is that we get that. That we would learn to just sit quietly in your presence. God, your presence is in this room. So I ask that you would just move through this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected, or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.